thing on it, hopefully. Okay, Craig right. is here. Um, hey, beloved Craig. listeners, we are excited to say Sahar is here for this episode okay. for at least Hello. an hour. We got we got an yes. hour. Um, Alas, so, like, I am special a guest star all day, unfortunately. So oh, I'm just I'm so sorry. My voice will be heard by many people today, and then afterwards, I will sleep for three days. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, isn't that isn't that what life is all about? I mean, are they good meetings? Yeah, it's just, so I'm doing a fellowship this summer, which is really cool. Um, I think some of you know I'm in grad school and I'm working with refugees, fingers crossed, in anthropology. So I got a really cool fellowship, but as you might also know, our president is slightly a dingus, so it's not even clear how many refugees are coming this summer. So I have to meet with a bunch of people today to figure out what I can actually do. So my brain has to be turned on, which is not that great. But until next week, after the meetings today, I can turn my brain back off and take the rest of this week off because this semester was... Also, that's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that about your fellowship. Congrats. Thank you. I'm very excited. It's just my brain is explosion. And I've literally spent this past week catching up on everything that I missed over Ramadan because Ramadan just ended. And so like all of the TV things happened and it's upfronts week. And by the time this goes up, we'll have CW news. It's just a great time. There's so much happening at all times, every day. Incredible. Also, yeah, this is because apparently because this is like some Swedish law where it's like these are clothes that you would just not be like they only let you write off stage clothes as tax exempt if like you couldn't conceivably wear these in the street. And I'm just like, it's really funny <laughs> to me how much fashion has changed because I'm looking at everything that they're wearing in these photos. And I'm like, I just see people like th- these. Like, look at these. That's Maybe nothing. They just wear that. You just wear that. <laughs> that's what um, people wear what, right now on TikTok. That's what people wear right now. Like, what the fuck, Sweden? It was Sweden, right? <laughs> Yes. All all of the all of the incredibly like fish related Eastern European countries are the same thing to me. No disrespect, but like Sweden, Finland. I mean, you're not disrespecting either myself or. I meant no disrespect. The least stakes in that. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect in a very broad sense because it's just. I little... also I have to bleep Sahar's name there, but that's fine. Yes. No that's one okay. will know. No one will ever know. All right. What the? What are you looking at? I'm just. I'm just doing. I'm just living my life. Um, okay, you're valid. All right, so, so what's up? I helped Ari move to their new yeah. apartment, and I actually got a phone call from a friend of mine who I went to college with and then haven't spoken to in some time. But um, they called me out of the blue, and I was, like, very happy to hear from her. She's a very nice person. But she was like, we live very close to each other now. She lives closer to my old apartment in yeah, Astoria. I heard. And she's like, oh, are you guys looking to move? Because the apartment across from her just opened up. And I was like, I don't want to, no. I don't know how to tell you this, but I just helped Ari move. And so I am not interested in changing locations for another 72 years. Oh, yeah. We were initially going to stay in Connecticut for like a year or so, but after moving all this, I'm like, we're staying here for at least two years. One, apartment's great. Clawfoot bathtub. Ton of room. Ah, beautiful. It is so, it's a great apartment and everything, but it's also like, I, we have not even moved my partner stuff yet. Not really. This is just all my, I mean, admittedly, it was also difficult because since my family is moving houses, I moved everything I own. Right. So it's like. You have to move it twice. Yeah, no. So I'm like, we're going to stay here for a couple of years because I literally have to build my strength back up to do another move. I haven't moved anybody since Rachel and Tim moved into this place. And that was two years ago, right? Two or three years ago. And that's when I messed up my knee. Oh, God. Yeah, me too. Um, We all should probably get those looked at. Yeah. Well, I also probably messed up. It's the same knee. The knee that was hurting after moving was the same knee that I really fucked up on um, 
opening night detective pikachu when i like like ate shit out front of the movie theater and ripped my kneecap clean off i just went and watched the movie anyway listen on the one hand which is very on probably should have gotten some first aid on that right away on the other hand detective pikachu had a pre-order ticket so i was like well i'm already here so losing money limping out of the theater like great movie everybody Okay. Losing money so if, this, you didn't, if you didn't get it. This is this is not even... Okay, so the only other thing with the move... So I have two cats, which I think most listeners of this podcast have heard at least once. So we moved... Mm-hmm. We were initially going to move them a month later because of just the way that my, my schedule lined up with my parents' schedules. But I was like, I don't trust you guys to take care of my cats for a month. So you know what? We have to make a second trip back then to my house. I'm taking them with me. Mm-hmm. I knew they were going to be bad. Because they're not, they're very sweet. They're very well socialized. They have not ever left this house. Like, they're nine years old, and we've lived in that house for 17 years. So they've just never left. And they don't go out in crates much. So the noises for the first, I want to say, 45 minutes of an hour and a half trip to New York were... You know that piano, that cats and clavier piano, that that thing where they like tied cats' tails to piano wires and they struck them with the hammers to make just the worst noise? It was that. It was just that for forty five minutes. Wait, they did what? It's a cats and clavier. I think it's actually like apocryphal. I don't think anyone ever actually made it. It was like a proposed like some weird fucking musician. I don't know. It's a thing. Look this it is up. why I don't <laughs> think people. This is why I don't think artists should be allowed. To yeah, that's true. Um, exist. I think it's like an art. It was like oh, imagine anti music. I don't fucking know. Um, imagine anti music. It came I mean, up in Felidae. We've all heard jopping at this I mean, jopping. (laughs) Someone died. People have died and you make them do jopping. All right. So um, the funny thing about watching the episode, though, because Phil Phil and Damien were both in the car. um, And Damien was mostly very quiet until we picked her up and had to move her. And then she howled. But Phil was like screaming. And so we're just trying to watch this and just there in the back. And I was like petting him and he would stop if I was petting him. But... Like, the way to pet him and watch the show and keep him from screen. It was just, it was a fun, if this was definitely a unique episode watching experience, I gotta say. Yeah, um, we were in the car. Tim was driving. Thanks, and Tim. I mean, Tim's truly the MVP of every He movie. let us put my phone up on the, like, you know, where you would put your GPS. Yeah. And he can drive, essentially, without caring about that i would not be able to i would have run us straight off the road clean off the road beep beep here we go and then um but it was just a little hard to see things i mean it's one of those things where i was like, like thank god we don't have to talk about gary and sarah because i couldn't see what was going on i could not see a thing I couldn't we were barely see what was going on I literally could not see what was going on because the screen was so tiny. And there were the subtitles I think were there, but I literally couldn't see them. I was in the back. So I'm like, what did he say? I watched it on my laptop and it literally, there's no lighting because they were like, this is prestige TV in this part of this episode. So why would our viewers get to see what's happening? So I just fast forwarded because I, one, didn't actually care and two, couldn't see anything. I mean, why does prestige TV have to be filmed in the dark? I don't understand. Put some lanterns on, please. (laughs) It's such a weird, like, why is your color grading like this? We are begging. But yeah, there were a couple of lines that we missed this episode that I felt, I was like, oh no, I'm sorry I missed that. That was actually probably really important. But in my defense, I'm deaf and there were two yelling cats in the fucking van. 
And I want to know why Phil didn't take this into consideration. I mean, especially when they wrote the episode for you, it does seem a little disrespectful. Yes. Okay. So yes. this is, at this point, this is where I'm going to put the opening music. Here we go. Oh, we can't say that. Oh, I was just sort of making it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I have to. Oh, we're not even allowed to suggest that. Well, they said fucking Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, did Nick Zano did not snipe you where you stood? Like I said, I mean, this is the thing. Nick Zano can get away with things, but the rest of them can't. I mean, he is truly, you can't just walk into the ICU, Nick Zano. Like, incredibly so. Almost, almost like he does it on purpose. I wonder if it was ad-libbed or not. Because he's like, He's got that very sort of, like, quippy kind of... Every time he's in an interview, he says shit like that. I'm like, don't be funny. Don't be funny. That's our thing. And if you take it from us, we'll kill you. We have nothing. You have oh five, like, tree trunks. I'm sorry, this you isn't don't... related to anything that we're talking about right now at all, but there's going to be a new Batman animated series from Bruce Tibb, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves, and I don't know how to feel about any of this. Uh-oh. Well, well I said, you said Bruce Tibb, and I was like, okay. And then you said J.J. Abrams, and I was like, uh... And I don't know the last person. <laughs> well, there's I just so know, and, and this was coming from me, and so you know there's a problem. But Bruce Tim is obsessed with Bruce and Barbara fucking, and that is just not a, a little weird for me. That's a little weird. And, and again, you know, I'm not a I, cop, but and here's the thing: no, am I a cop? No, but if I'm looking at your age gap ship, like mm, I don't really feel this. There's probably something wrong. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I just really love that, the animated series. So, like, the child mm-hmm. in me is like nostalgia. Oh, God. That adult who can use a brain is like, mm, haram. Mm, There's also, they're not. also doing a Superman show. So, I guess they were like, you know what? We need to bring the DCAU back. So, All the same think, voice people? That would be fucking sick. Um, I didn't get that far. Let me, let me open the link. I don't think I would love to see if Kevin Conroy came back. Kevin Conroy was in the um, crossover. Right. Uh, that the crossover, everyone's like, Brandon. And then, and Kate Kane killed him. He's her Bruce, I guess, or a version of her. And Kate Kane killed him because he was gonna, he didn't trust Kara or was gonna kill Kara. Wow, homophobe. Where I'm like, first of all, <laughs> I wish, I wish to God Kate Kane was played by someone else so I could be like, gay rights? Question mark? I mean, now she is, but like, so it's too late, counts. in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's too little too late. That show is still wrong, although. Ryan is beautiful and lovely, and we should all be there for her. But Not only is otherwise. Ryan beautiful and lovely, but I love how much um, Javicia hates um, Ryan and Angelique. Oh my god, yes. Because <laughs> I'm like, girl, me too. Girl, me too. I'm also this. Me too. The fuck. The fuck. But it is like, it's one of those things where I do think it's interesting if they're taking a swing. Because like Bruce, t- like it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, he draws all women exactly the same, which is very annoying. But his style is like so the lit like like that's it for like nineties, early two thousands DC yeah. and anim- animated stuff. And their animated output since has just looked like fucking garbage. It so really I'm like, has. okay, fine. Bring in the big guns. Maybe we could get a couple more different female body types, but like still overall, I absolutely appreciate that aesthetic. I mean, at sure least he form. made Barda tall. Yeah, like listen. At least she's tall. Oh. Okay, interesting. The My Adventures with Superman, um, it looks like Jimmy Olsen is not white. So we'll oh, see fun. how that goes. 
I, I cannot right. tell from the photo if he is supposed to be black or Indian. It's unclear. We'll find out. And then I don't think there was anything in the Batman. Yeah, there's no like photo of the Batman animated or art yet. So it's unclear how they're going to do that one. That's okay. That is really cool, though. I mean, that's one of the things. It's like Jimmy Olsen doesn't need to look like he doesn't. It doesn't. His appearance is not like specific. Like you can just kind of do whatever. So it's like fun that yeah. they did that. Nice. Um, this on a compl- I mean, wow, I know you're shocked. Mm-hmm. Shocked. The Legends Review went on. A- this is at least related to comics. Yeah, I mean, truly. Uh, so technically, that, this counts. That's well, huge for us. I get to be the person who, who takes us on a tangent, and I'm never around enough to do it. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, this I know cool. you're busy, so I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to. I'm like, no, I don't you're want cool, you. You're cool. I'm like, it's I don't want us to waste your time. No, it's not a hard stop. It's the oh, when that time comes, we have. I personally have to wind down. I still have 15 minutes after that. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Okay. So, perfect. We're good. We're good. I just, I know myself, and I know how excited we get, and then I'll be running around like a person with my head cut off, like a chicken, when I'm like, oh no, next meeting in five minutes. Ah, so. Yep. Are they, all, are they all Zoom. Zoom meetings at least? Yeah, so I'm not, not like okay. physically having to go anywhere, which is nice. That is good. I'm glad. I was like, wait, oh my god, do you have to run somewhere? But that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right, where did we want to? Well, this is I mean, your uh, this is an episode written weirdly for you. So do you want to? All right. So in? this week's episode was the third episode of the sixth season called "I Wouldn't Be Surprised If We Never <laughs> Saw Dur- uh, Zari Tarazi Again." <laughs> We Based really, on- we literally like we're workshopping. We're bringing stuff in from the van, and we're literally just yelling like drag race references at each other. Like, there's something. There's something. There's got to be something. We have to think of something. Right, because Ari said, <laughs> I think drag race is a more relevant um, pop culture like reality reality like, show. It yes. basically went with a mix of like The Voice and the American Idol and the Masked Singer. I guess the mass singer is still fairly relevant. Yeah, but singing competitions are just not as relevant. They're as, so like, early two thousands, aggressively. Yeah. But then we did also realize that like the queens would have torn each other to shreds, like the main like a, a to get to fucking bloodbath to get to Nick Zano. Because it's just like just, Jamie, uh, I guess. Uh, listen, Channing Tatum. Listen, if you're somehow listening to this, he's he has thighs like that, but he can never love you back. He, he doesn't know you how. Back. You he have doesn't to know. move on. The, the Legends writers just aren't funny enough to do a parody of Smash Game, so it's no, okay God, now. God, God, that would have been. I mean, it would have been something where it's like one. I think at this point, I don't know if we can afford Trixie. Second off, even if it's like <laughs> one of those things where you wouldn't be able to write, it would literally be like Peppermint comes in and says something funny, kind of thing, where it's like you wouldn't have been able to write dialogue for them. But I actually, as oh, much funny. as I'm like, also, wish... if they had written a funny snatch game, that would have been that kind been of anti- out of character. Anti- yeah, no, the At snatch games are no funny. longer have a snatch game because it is funny or entertaining. We have it because we all must endure it. Yes, it really is a test yeah. of endurance more than it is a test of skill. But I will say, given a lot of like the Britney vibes that were coming up in this episode, yes. I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, this isn't necessarily immediately culturally relevant. However, Given the kind of pop stars they were talking about, yep. you know, it kind of does make sense to do an early 2000s sort of singing competition because a lot of the stuff. And I don't know if maybe this is just my bias because the early 2000s were when I started seeing like these poor fucking girls fall apart in the news. Yep. And so maybe I'm just sort of projecting there. But I do think it's sort of relevant because it was a very like Britney specific yeah. kind of thing so so this episode was written by tyron b carter um he has written other episodes he wrote welcome to the jungle yep he wrote um last year's 80s prom episode that's a good part 
we were so mean about that episode where I was like, did you write this because you want us to be nice to you? And the answer is we're not (laughs) going to do that. I journalistic integrity demands that I don't accept bribery. What do you think we are? Some kind of video <laughs> game? It's our journalist because we broke we broke the fucking UC Neofence drama before Polygon. So we are journalists. Oh, oh my god. That, that makes us journalists. True. That does make us journalists, question mark. But it we is have, We oh, all got re- written stuff on the internet about this. Yes, yeah. journalists. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We are technically journalists, question mark. We've all done press things at conventions. We're 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 maybe not breaking of the Watergate Hotel journalists, but by God, we're journalists. I mean, <laughs> I think we could we could definitely try to get someone to break in breaking at, break at the legends, breaking at Phil Clemmer's apartment, <laughs> the fucking house with the sliding glass alleged alleged breaking at Phil Clemmer's house with his patio facing sliding glass door. Break in, call, getting that call. It would truly be like, I kidnapped your grandpa. You didn't do me in submission. Could you come over here and get him? I have too much money to be a father with that sort of thing. Wait, who is this? Yeah, and it's just us going, wait, who is this? Hi. Dominic Purcell DMing me on Instagram, like, I've got a scoop. Me, like, shut up, like, delete it, flop. <laughs> like, wait, no, I'm sorry, that was automatic. What was it? What was it? What's your scoop? But, like, oh my God, what were you? Hi, old. Hi, ball. But, like Tyron, if you're listening to this, and I'm concerned that you might be, it, it's nothing. The '80s episode was nothing personal. It it's was just drag. It's just drag, but it's also just a lot of horror stuff that I'm very passionate about. But like, no, what what turned me off to the '80s episode? Also, is the that, serial killer is that they were like, oh, if we could God. make the serial killer not have a bad time in high school, maybe he won't kill people. Where it's like, and I'm like, like that, that is a wildly distant. And like, no, he wasn't even the serial killer. It turned out to be a bad parent, which is also a common theme in Tyron episodes, and we'll get to that. Yes, but I was like, that is Abuse even just bright colors. Abuse and bright colors. We love those. Even just suggesting it is not is not great idea i will say though when you frame it like that i will give him credit for what i think it may have been like behind every broken child that is aggressive and lashing out it's a bad parent that's the one actually committing all the harm and doing all the crimes and if you look at it from that point of view i can kind of see what you're coming from but still post columbine era kind of irresponsible but i get it i do we were just really so this episode um, I do want to just mention the title that we picked comes from, at some point, Trixie and Katya were saying, like, they had seen an ad for The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where someone, just as an aside, says, I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw Denise Richards again. And they just started saying it. And now, and it's just, it works so... So it funny. Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And it's incredible. It's so funny. And it's, and it's so dramatic because it's like, well, where is she going? Where is she going? She's out. She's way out. Like, it's one of those things where it's like all of the recap references. Is someone references, taking her out? Is, I, someone is absolutely taking her out. The problem with all the recap references we wanted to do is that they require certain things to be said in a very specific to- tone of voice that will not translate. It's like we were text. thinking rude. Rude. But like you can't just call it rude because then it doesn't make any rude. sense. Rude. So there you are. But there were so many things in this episode that were like so specifically to my interest and my fucking field of studies i guess you would call it you had and an iron giant reference for me which thank you question okay when nate, when nate said the iron giant ari just goes fuck, fuck is you that from, you're not fit to that's, lick his shoes so one of those things where i'm like that doesn't even he i'm like you actually should like as much as i hate to be like you should have gone for the low-hanging fruit of the terminator the dude that turned up who also like incidentally we're gonna get into this and in briefly later but like gender 
non-conforming icon question mark we'll get into that but like fucking nox it's just what i'm calling them nox looked way more like a terminator kind of fucking power rangers looking motherfucker than he did the iron giant the only thing they had in common was like a huge weapon system but that was like part of the giant that wasn't like a giant fleet that was fuck it. so i'm like why didn't you just say the terminator which is why i'm like wait <laughs> That's why it's I'm like, hmm, don't love that. Because I have, I was like, did I talk about the Iron Giant on the podcast? And Rachel looked at me and goes, yes. So I'm like, okay, okay, just checking. I'm like, they wanted to throw Ari a bone here. They wanted to, Ari to know that they weren't forgotten. Thank you. I appreciate it. This had, this episode had, had everything. everything. It had, first of all, Brit- Zari, it had Zari calling Ava Aves. Which and was I don't so... Want be, and I don't want to be weird, but I'm going to say That's truly it. like the Dana moment where I was like, wait, what? I invented that. You literally did. I invented Aves. And yeah. when Ari says the Dana moment, that means back in our AOS days, I just started Ari Headcandon Ward's younger brother was named Dana. This was before he had ever been announced. His name is canonically Thomas, but before that was even announced, someone in an article printed his name as Dana. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, I thought it might be a nice little fandom shout out. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> I come from the early fandom era of I don't want to be perceived. Oh, Jesus. Don't so look at so me. crazy. Uh, can we build a brick fourth wall? It doesn't need to be glass. Let, let it just be fully solid concrete. I'm so tired. I mean, genuinely, I want that fucking concrete fourth wall up. Get away from me. I am fully Listen, fucking Pink Floyd's the wall the fuck out of my life. I know when Elicity's bully writers, it's bad. But I guess when I do it, it's good because but we get out. Because I, mean, I don't I hate really women. I want to know what poor intern it literally just listens to these episodes because at this point there's an exhaustive list of things that you all have said or i've joked about and then literally five seconds I... later the next episode hasn't happened and it's weird because it's not like we're predicting things since they were already all filmed but it's also really weird because we're totally predicting things that were already filmed so what is happening? absolutely already predicting things that were already filmed which is really weird i mean again as i said to you on twitter we did call melissa benoit uh, Bebo. And then what did they fucking call their but with only dude? one E. And then what did they call Tickle Me Bebo? Tickle Me Bebo. And then Bebo became a, they took that from us I and she'll never forgive them. Remember what they took from you? I mean, we're still, are we still getting a planet of the Bebos this episode season? I don't think so. Maybe? I don't. Because here's the thing, you know how we got that little alien on the end, at the end and then Mick squashed oh, it because so they're coming? I'm so sad about the little alien. I was so bummed out. I was like, oh, he's like, he looks like Gizmo. Oh. There can only be one non-binary icon on this ship. True, like you can't bay rod. Um, but it was so I was like, no, they're so cute. And it I mean, it had Zari doing a pop singing competition. I didn't realize because I couldn't see, but I was going back and looking at the other episode we had that dealt with Zari being super famous. Uh-huh. And it's the same assistant. Okay. Um we had um we had both like Britney vibes, but also some very serious Marilyn Monroe vibes. Yeah. Like, that, oh my god, that yes. scene is in fucking. I literally was like, that's the want to see the real Marilyn. Yes. Like, she literally turned around, had a second, and like, honestly, really good acting on Tallow. Yeah, that was like, like, I was entranced. That was impressive. There is and she a puts her game face yes. on, and then she's, and it's like the snap happens, and like the cutaway to John, phenomenal, genuinely incredible. Um, what I was also because there is an article. It's called Do You Want to See Her? Mm-hmm. It was by um, two men who basically spent a day in New York or a couple days in New York just photographing Marilyn. Um, she had agreed to talk to her about their publication because um, they're one of the only ones that had never made fun of her. Which again, oh. we have to, which again, like, let's, we're going to get, we're going to connect that to Brittany and all of the stuff that's going on in just a second. 
So sad. Jesus fucking Christ. And there's a moment, it's called, Do You Want to See Her? Because there is a photo, and I think it's one of my favorite photos of her of all time. Can you pull it up? Yes. Where she is, and I'm going to um, put it in the chat as well. It's when she had never taken the subway before, so they asked her if she wanted to go down into the subway and ride it. And she was like, yeah, sure. So they took some photos. Also, that art looks adorable of the thing you sent. That is so cute. And it looks like a mean Lois as well. Yes. Was that supposed to be Lois? Oh my god, I love it. Adorable. Yeah, so the context of this, and like, I just saw this when we were at Target yesterday. They had like a Maryland magazine and they had this photo in it and they were like, yeah, she rode the subway. I'm like, no, this is a photo because she had never ridden the subway before and they were taking her on it. This publication is invalid. I know more than you. So like genuinely happy. Yeah, like that's like a photo that you or I would have taken, like as like just like a hanging out kind of photo. And for someone who doesn't have a lot of hanging out photos, it's nice. And she basically wasn't turning because she was sort of tucked into her coat. She's just talking to the photographers. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment when they rise above, they come out of the subway, and she just turns to them and she goes, "Do you want to see her?" And she takes off her coat and basically sort of changes her pose, and she turns into Marilyn. And people suddenly start swarming. Her. I have never forgotten that. I read it years and, and years ago. They literally, and like that is literally what happened with Zari. Zari, like Ari, literally grabbed my arm and just went, "Do you want to see her?" Yeah, yeah. Like it was, and I'm like, I feel like I'm like, listen, I feel like maybe Tyron. Because I remember I read that article yeah. ages ago, and it has always stuck in my head because it's so sad. Mm-hmm. It's just sad, and I'm just like, I feel like a lot of gay people really love Marilyn Monroe because, you know. Well, I listened to the, you must remember this, she did a dead blonde season, um, which is about blonde actresses in Hollywood who basically had a lot of the Fox blondes, the 20th century Fox blondes. blondes. Um, There would be no Marilyn essentially without Jean Harlow, though Jean Harlow died of like Lisver poisoning. Yep, of too much alcohol effectively. Which is actually what happened to a lot of these young actresses, which is also what happens to a lot of young people today. Yay, especially because also because like, I mean, not to get heavy for a second, but alcoholism and drug addiction runs rampant in the LGBT community. So it's kind of like, I feel like that may kind of vibe with like, there's a lot of us struggling with addiction problems. And there's a lot of these old starlets that struggle with addiction problems too, and just didn't get any help ever. <laughs> like that was the other thing, actually to go back to that Marilyn article. And I know you're like, why are you talking about Marilyn? Not Zari, but it's like, you have to understand Marilyn and you have to understand all this to understand why Zari was written the way she was. This episode. Yes. I mean- so there was, when we were reading that article, we were standing in target. They wrote it in such a way where they're like, well, she saw her. They basically were like, she saw her therapist and her therapist was so bad. And therapists are so evil. And, and I was like, this is criminal to print in 2021 because a therapist in like the fucking 30s and 40s was like, you want some cocaine? That'll sort you out. Especially for a starlet. Yeah. They were like, here, just have some pills. Just take some fucking pills and get back on that fucking stage. Like they were literally just doping this poor woman up with so many fucking drugs just to get her fucking going that like that doesn't even literally count as therapy. I mean, they literally did this. Judy Garland was basically put on MGM, correct? Yeah. The MGM child starlet track, which is basically they woke you up and gave you your pep pills for the day. And yep. then when it was bedtime, they gave you your sleep pills. And that was just it forever. And, and that was it for up to 15 years. About 15 years. And then after that, they sort of let you run free. But you already had that pill problem. It literally is that scene in fucking, and I hate, but I mentioned the wall before, mm-hmm. but it's literally that scene in the fucking wall where he's having, he's literally having an overdose and they just pick him up and haul him back out on stage. Yep. Like that is 
also very Maryland. Well, yes, because there was also, and this was actually almost made popular by old wrestling in the 30s, called The Show Must Go On, Mm -hmm. which is basically like, I don't care if the guy you're wrestling with dies, because that did happen That happened so much. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Keep going. That is, and it's very, very Hollywood. It's so Like, you have to understand Hollywood almost historically to understand it now what they're doing which is again why it's like me for me is for me Uh uh-huh because something i mentioned to ari about this episode is that when zari's assistant mentions there's no story unless she's unhappy we're purposefully she's so guarded and like that hurt that that was that was another that and the you want to see her moment were literally the moments that cut me to the fucking core like that was incredible that was agony and as much as about zari kudos to matt ryan for like it was one of those things where you're, it's, it was such a powerful moment of you're dating somebody who you've maybe only recently started dating and you are suddenly like, you're very in love with them and it's great and it's everything. And then you suddenly realize that someone who you thought might either only have like some basic, very shallow problems or was totally fine is like, you're suddenly like, oh, I'm way in over my head with this person's trauma, trauma and sad backstory. Oh my God, what do I do? I have to protect them. And like, that was everything that was running on his face. It was amazing. Because Phenomenal. I will mention when I was, looking at when you listen to Marilyn's story there is so much of like I will say that the woman who I don't know if she's bi she has never spoken about her sexual orientation she is married to Rian Johnson so I know that she does like men she spoke a little bit too much I think about Marilyn's relationships with men and why she might want to be with men. Like for example, Marilyn's therapist was not even so much a therapist as someone who was basically a pill mill. A pill mill and who was um sexually abusing her. God damn it. Um God fucking damn it. And I will also say as a bi person when I say like actually I think even though Marilyn was with men, she was probably a lesbian if only even because trauma emotionally, yeah. It was like to be because you can say I I'm not saying like oh bi lesbians are valid. I'm saying you can be well, a that's lesbian. Not fair. That's not fair. Yeah. That's not, I don't want to get into that. I'm yeah. not wading into that discourse, God, please God, I'm not doing that. Anyway. I just won't. But, like, in genuine sense, it's always more complicated than that. Where it's like yeah. she may have dated and even cared about men, but that level of trauma from almost every single man in her life means that her affection for women was something very different. I think it's a fair way to put it. And, and, that's, and that's very... But the Safer, whole time it's like, pure. why can't someone come into her life that doesn't... Ha- that has her best interests? Uh-huh. Like, just one person that comes in and says, okay, I actually care about your interests and not... Like, my interest is seeing you happy. Yes. Not my interest is using you for X, Y, or Z. And that's and that the fantasy never that never happened to her. Happened for her. And the problem is you see a lot of things like with Britney Spears or with Lindsay Lohan back in the day where everybody sort of makes fun of them until they die. Until they die. And then it's a and then everybody's like, "Oh my god." And Britney thankfully has not passed. Britney fucking made it comparatively speaking. But you can't even sort of what the Free Britney documentary did is it made a lot of people sort of be like, oh, well, we didn't mean it. It doesn't matter, though, because it's still a human being. Like, I, well, no, we were just doing it because everybody else was doing it. Because that's just how entertainment, like, that's show business, baby. And it's, like, awesome. That is a traumatized teenage girl. And so it's, like... And the other big... Can I also say something? Yes. You brought up Harry. You brought up, because, like, Britney 
Lindsay, Paris are like a triad for me. Yeah. But Paris also kind of snuck out of this mostly unscathed. And I want, because her wealth came from something that wasn't like, she was just wealthy, wealthy family. I don't, I, I doubt that Brittany, Brittany and Lindsay came from poor families, but like Paris came from money, money, like business money, not entertainment money. And those are two different kinds of wealth. So I'm like, I think it's, you know, it's, so to talk about class briefly, it's very interesting that Paris is kind of the one that survived relatively unscathed out of all this because she could sort of retreat back into being a wealthy individual in a business, a business sense. So I just think that's interesting out of the triad. She's the one who survived unscathed because of that cushion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also because. No disrespect to Paris. I no. love doing Repo, the genetic opera. But it's just a thing that needs to be talked about. It's, it is something that needs to be talked about because we also have to talk about Paris's parents who were together. And I feel like probably they didn't need her to be famous. No, they didn't. No, they didn't give a shit. They did not. They were indulging her because it was fun. For her. Um, whereas you look at Brittany and Lindsay's parents, who very much needed needed her to, to be. be the breadwinner. And we can't, and this is one of, I've sort of avoided talking about Zari's parents because I am white. Mm. But because Tyron wrote this episode and we've seen that Tyron thing is very much like, parents. do you have an abusive parent? <laughs> Do you hate your parents? Have you been abused? Well, then do we have <laughs> you a story? You may be entitled for financial compensation. Well, we That's have about a story to you. Truly. So, I do think the way he it was framed... I, have we seen... Uh, we saw her mom in that one episode a couple seasons ago in we, person, right? We saw her mom last season where she only wanted to talk to Berad about his business. Yes. And didn't want to talk to Zari about her shoes or... Like, because she was actually trying to talk business. She was talking about a lot of very interesting things. Mm-hmm. And her mom didn't seem to care. And then... Or didn't seem to understand how they were serious for her. Mm -hmm. And then um, in the uh, Great British Fake Off episode, she says to John that she overheard her mom once say that she is ashamed of Zari for being so shallow and self-absorbed. And um, this... There was a very interesting line Zari had when speaking to her mom, because we can't get into this without very much... Because also, yeah. bad parents is so part and parcel also of, of this Starlet of experience. Of the Starlet experience for, completely. You know, Brittany's main thing has been focused on her father sort of stepping in to be conservator after he's been absent. You can't talk yeah. about Lindsay without talking about her. Or, congratulations the to Dina Lohan. For taking home the silver in parenting this year. Another, a mainstay. Um, which is, is, that quote comes from, um, there was a show on E! called Pretty Wild or Pretty Reckless, uh, Pretty Wild, yeah, which was about one of the girls who was in the bling ring that robbed, like, Paris, Lindsay, all yes. those people. Oh, God, just. And it opens with the mom just being like, girls, come get your Adderall. And it's like, hey, listen, I, I always get bummed out when people joke about it, because it's like, Adder I have really bad ADHD, Adderall helps me function, it's not a joke. Yeah, after, God, after months Jesus. and months and months of my therapist essentially begging me to get Basically, my last job was very bad for me for, like, taking Every, any kind of medication everything. In, in everything. But so I had to basically get back onto Folkland, and it has been so much better for me. Please, if you are prescribed these, take them. Please they take are them. Only, they're only... If you're trying have to side effects. You. If you have side effects, tell someone. tell someone, don't be afraid to switch. Please take your medication. Please take it regularly. It will not work if you don't take it regularly. You have to take it regularly. Please. I also understand as someone who's currently struggling to try to find a way to afford their medication, I understand not being able to afford it. I know it's a struggle. If you have the means to do so, make it work. If you don't, 
I understand. But if you do, please don't love that. Take your medication, kids. <laughs> blanket statement that clearly, obviously, only applies in certain places. But a lot of yeah. LGBT centers do have, even if it's like for short term, they can support you. And then also see if the nearby college has an LGBT center because sometimes they're able to actually support community members because my school was only 4,000 people and our LGBT center was able to like connect non-students and faculty and staff to things. And it's not in every place. And I know some folks are in the middle of nowhere rural land, but there are places where you can at least get some support, which will help stabilize you. And I don't mean that in like a negative way, but like help you until you can find better support or get a job or all of the other unfortunate capitalist things that allow us to actually take care of ourselves. Yes, there are places. It it may require some digging. It may feel embarrassing. It may be hard, but these places do exist. I'm sorry that it's so hard to find them. It is worth the effort if you have the ability and means to do so. I promise, basically. Planned Parenthood is also a great resource. I got to start. I'm out, so I can start taking testosterone, so I got to go find Planned Parenthood in Connecticut. It's like Planned Parenthood, (laughs) there are clinics, and I know we've taken a hard side, but I know, like, again, a lot of teens listen to this podcast, which help. So we're doing this, we're doing this, we're, we're doing a PSA. This is, this is our PSA. This is that one John Mulaney bit, that story where someone brought their seven-year-old and he was suddenly like, oh my God, I have to start doing bits about like staying in school. Mm-hmm. That's us right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. But okay. Sorry. We hard tracked parents. Okay. Gina so Lohan. You can't. We wanted to be the parents. <laughs> yes. We really were. We were like, we're going to take home the golden parenting. So... Marilyn, for example, did not know her father, was raised by a single mother. Some people are like, oh, well, she was always looking for the paternal affection she never had. I'm like, I don't think that's the case at all. I think plenty of people are fine without. I think she was just... She wanted a Tim to sort of filter life. Men are seen traditionally as protectors. Yes. Just, that's how our society works. So it's less about, like... Oh, God, yeah. It's less about... Oh, she needed like a dad. And she needed a lawyer, basically. She wanted a male person to yes. speak up on her behalf because they would listen to her if they wouldn't listen. I mean, yeah. if they wouldn't listen to her. So, what happened here is that, I mean, there's a line that Zari says to her mom where, I mean, I know someone who was in this situation and it was not of her sort of choice that she ended up here. But she goes, I mean, and but the show framed it more like it was Zari's mom's decision. Where she said, well, not everybody wants to have a kid at 20. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, huh. That was also because like to me, my mom had me when she was like 24. Um, and took me to the Grateful Dead concert at two weeks old. My grandma told me when I was preparing. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember coming out to get you. And then your mom snuck out of the, took you out of the hospital, took you to the Grateful Dead concert. And you were only two weeks old. And I was like, what? That would explain why you are deaf. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, your ears deaf now. Ow. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. And there are photos of me there. And I am basically just, my mom is just holding me. And there's a bunch of other clearly stoned people. And I'm like, did you let... How many people at this concert were on acid? Be honest. How many people passed around this baby? My mom definitely took acid, which is another weird thing. But, like, in any (laughs) case, like, it is not that uncommon to have kids that young. And it's one of those things where culturally that's, like, that varies from culture to culture. I know my mom is a high school teacher in somewhere in upstate New Jersey and like I would go up to school with her sometimes and I would see kids like it's like like juniors and seniors who were already pregnant and I was like oh okay because I was like seven so 
it didn't really strike out as anything unusual to me, but then most of my friends' parents were, like, already kind of old comparatively, and so it's, like, every everybody's different, every living and family situation is different, but it's also, like, especially that specific line being set up with Zari, like, my mom keeps trying to set me up with people. And also, like, earlier in the said, just because you're old. That, too, where I'm, like, she's not even that, like, like, Zari, how old is Zari in the show? I know Tala's in her 30s. I think Zari is also supposed to be in her 30s because she's, like, nine years older than Bayrod, and Bayrod is in now his mid-20s. Okay. Like, 24, 25. Okay. So she's, like, 30, basically, which she's is, like, totally 30 normal. 30, yeah, like, somewhere in her 30s, which is the normal age well, to have kids now. It's interesting because I think there's always that. I know for me, like, watching stuff where we have characters who are very clearly supposed to be, like, a cultural stand-in, like, as a Persian person, I'm South Asian. Like, there is that commonality of, like, our parents have young and also like the immigrant dream and all of those other things that i've talked about in these episodes before and what i thought was really interesting with this episode is like it's super clear that like her mom loves her but she doesn't necessarily care about her as a person or is proud of her in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. until later when she wins it's very specifically that context of like you exist and therefore all my dreams are on you and even in the first episode, we get to see this Zari's parents, where, again, like, she doesn't want to talk to her daughter. She's fully focused on Bayrod, and Zari's trying to get her parents' attention and is pretty much over it. Like, if her whole life over the summer, or the summer, sorry, over the seasons of the show, pre-Zari 2.0 is my mom is gone, right? Like, I don't have a family. I'm not able to, like, see any of these people, and therefore everything I do is because I love them and miss them completely flips to the other side of oh no I have a family but I grew up as a dragon girl and have a whole media conglomerate under my hands but no one actually cares about my work those are such extremes that I think even for the way that they're writing it I'm not entirely sure the writers know where they're actually trying to land with Zari's parents I think I think Tyron does because again his whole thing thing is maybe not the right term but like his thing is writing about parents and adults and like caregivers who are not great at their jobs or anything so I know for me like when I saw that scene and when Rachel was live tweeting and asked like "Mm," and I was like no this is very much abusive or at the very least like fully emotionally unavailable dysfunctional yeah and dysfunctional and it really pinged me as like Zari doesn't have any true support like her co-workers and employees are all garbage the only person in her life who probably generally has ever cared about her and like for herself is her brother even though really now they're becoming like true siblings who support one another and so she's only ever had all these people who've only cared for her to get money out of her and so for her to now have john in her corner it is mind-boggling to her and it's also scary because it's not just like oh john is my friend and therefore cares about me because we're friends john cares about me and i'm not even supposed to have an attraction for this man and so there's all of these layers that they're peeling apart which i think they're doing well I'm just afraid of the show at all times. So oh, yeah. oh, yeah. something well, awful happens. <laughs> you brought up a point that I was like, oh, right. They haven't even explored this. And I don't know if they will. And honestly, if anyone was going to do it, I really only trust Tyron to do it. Because it's we love like, you, babe. Sorry, we were sorry, 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 sorry. We're not sorry to anybody else. No, no. Not but to one of you. I will say this, because when you were like, she went from having parents who were basically... Dulcinea, metaphorically speaking, like they're dead. They're 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 hagiographic in her head. They're her saintly dead parents, her her beloved dead, her parents who were tragically ripped from her, and they would have loved her. And if they could only be together, they would love her again. 
And then you get them. You you t- you literally tore apart the universe to get them back. And then they're not actually like that. I mean, great is so fucking sad. And I don't think they really because it's one of those things where it's like I don't know if this show is fully equipped to basically have someone go. Do you think you would be happier if they were they had been they just stayed dead? And Zara to go. I don't know because that's really heavy. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, we've had real life experiences that like, where you see people who may have bad parents, and their parents were taken from them at a young age, or it's been a long time since they've passed. And these parents that if you hear them talk about, they're like, dude, this is terrible, have basically been elevated, they've been canonized as saints in their eyes. Mm -hmm. They're like, ah, shit. And so it's like, I think it's also interesting in that regard, but that's, like, so heavy that I don't know if the show is ever... But, like, you brought... I'm, like, right, because I'm, like, do you think she's thinking about that? Like, well, as a person. And I, mean, I think maybe. I know Zari is, like, in the totem now, and yes. Tala said, well, don't... Like, with anything in this show, don't think too heavily about it. Where that I was, like, truly. okay, well, as long as we're all in this boat together. We're all in this together. together. Etc. Um... <laughs> but I do like it's interesting that like we see her relationship with Bayrod develop. I think partially just because it's the reason, like it's like that's just how TV works. We just have to see their relationship develop in the show because we've only just had these Bayrod now. I was gonna but say to I feel like maybe we would say yes, I would do this all again for because Bayrod. for Bayrod. But again, who and you know what? Honestly, who among us would? Well, it's the it thing though is like we only see them starting to get closer now, which breaks my heart with the implication of. So for the first 25-something years of his life, you two weren't close at all, and so you really had nobody. Where it's like, right now, he is in her corner, but mm-hmm. how much was... And I don't mean, this is not a dig on Bayrod. Like, it's like, I think a thing where this can happen in families where there's a clear unfavorite, where the other kid is basically... Maybe Moral not, and Sarah, though Mark was not technically smart enough no, to No, he was not this. smart enough to do this. Where the other kid basically avoids the unfavorite because mm-hmm. they're afraid of catching hell or suddenly not being the favorite TM. And it's like, again, this is not, this is a ding-dong show on a ding-dong podcast, but it would be interesting to see some of that come up. Because again, only writer I would let, would want to see doing it. Is- Tyron. Well, I think it's really interesting because I have two younger brothers and growing up, we were all really close. And like, they would fight over who would get to like hang out with me so I could tell them really ridiculous stories about my life at school. Cause I guess I had fun stories when we were children. But then when I went to high school, they both were like, we're too cool for you. So we stopped talking. Oh, yeah. And now my middle brother and I, like he just doesn't talk to anyone cause he's your stereotypical like engineer who lives in his room. 24 7 and has a built pc oh, blah 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 rainbow lights all yeah. that sh- you know shenanigans and then my, youngest my husband and I... please he's done nothing <laughs> i feel that though my youngest That's brother and brother. i are way yeah and my youngest brother and i are way closer now because him and i are really similar and he's doing like theater and all this other fun stuff and like you know super active or whatnot and i actually do see a lot of that relationship with with how sorry and Verat are where it's like as kids they weren't close but the way that they've had to step up for each other like Clearly, the context of the show is, like, if they don't save the world, the world will die. But we also know the world's never going to actually die, so the true stakes aren't really there. But for the characters, they are. And so when Zari is, like, I literally, like, this is my life now. I live on this weird ship. Like, 2040, whatever, is the first time that she's been back in, like, their timeline properly since, you know, the last time. It was when she first, like, saw, what's his face? Eight, Right. Yeah, no, I mean, the last time she was here is when Ava rescued her and was like, I'll be your friend. But then it's almost like Ava has sort of come back to her because Sarah isn't there, which great choice narratively, just saying. Just saying. But I will also say there's something to be said for, 
And it would be interesting if they even just did this, where it's like, now that we're both adults, you don't have to, like, we can take care of each other because we're not worried. Like, we're both adults and we don't really need to rely on our parents' approval as much. So we can sort of pack up together. Ari bringing up, actually, the idea that maybe Zari's parents weren't even great in the first timeline. Because, honestly, I think she talked more about Berad than she ever talked about her parents. I think they're sort of more just lucky collateral. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do, I do like that there's, there's an angle, because it's something that's happened with my siblings, too, where it's like, you know, my, then my brothers, especially, my other brother lives in Arizona right now. But like, we're, we are both, like, older now, and so we're able to sort of get each other better. And even my second youngest brother, I have a big family, is like, we're closer now. And when we were at home, it was almost kind of like a trauma bonding thing, where we were both old enough to be like, hey, this is bullshit, right? And then my very youngest brother is only like 13. And so both of us, it was interesting how that dynamic turned into when things got really tough. It was the both of us like waking up and making sure he got to the school bus on time and shit like that. Like, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to have our shit together, even if our parents don't. And I do really like that about Zara and Bayrod. That's a good vibe. I mean, I think he was like, yeah. I was just going to say really quickly, the only other thing, like, her, like, that timeline was awful. So even if her parents were bad, like we were never going to learn because her whole memory no. of them is going to be like they died. They died. And, and the so, whole timeline was traumatic. So like so even if no, they were bad, it didn't matter. I saw right. and, and this story never oh, opened up about that. So no. I'm also going to believe their name because I hate them as a website. So I will not be giving them the clicks. But That's there was an article from a stupid site that has stupid takes all the time where they're like, was the trial of Killer Frost what created Zari's Argo future? Like everybody is like, well, Killer Frost is bad. So all these people must be bad. And I'm like, listen, what? you guys are dumb as shit, but I'm this happy to blame Caitlyn. I'm happy to blame Caitlyn for yeah. anything. I don't even care if it makes sense. Is this Caitlyn's fault? Yes. Yes. Even if it was their Black Lives Matter episode, which I just... I don't want to talk. I just... Riverdale Black Lives Matter episode. It's coming. I can't... You can't say these words. No. Here's (laughs) a quick sidebar about The Flash, which is, do you really think that Cisco's going to be able to leave and Barry's not going to be like, you can't leave? No. no. He literally got... The entire city is on fire. I got Rainbow Raider to burn the whole city down. So you have to see... (laughs) To all of our listeners, next Tuesday, the CW is not even doing an upfront like presentation because they don't need to their ads aren't real but they are doing a press conference at 10 a.m pacific time so by that point we will know which shows were picked up and more importantly we will hopefully know what shows are getting a last season and if flash isn't one of them then i'm gonna i don't know what i'm disappointed but let's let's definitely try to record tuesday well that's my birthday so let's try to record wednesday yes that's fine yes i should have my mic by then but that's like one of those things where it's like without it's one of those things where it's like candace deserve candace deserves her own spinoff that's it who would watch this show if not for candace truly no one i it mean like say, all I, of I, the swirl shippers are are in its clutches specifically because of candace no one cares about destiny no not even a little bit it could literally just be anyone like barry could literally be played by a fucking cardboard cutout of edward cullen yes and it matter. <laughs> yes okay exactly. here's how we're gonna save money <laughs> But, like, it, yeah, I'm interested to see what gets renewed because, like, with the way that COVID sort of, we're slowly getting back to. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what maybe they take a second chance at. And I just realized, I kept thinking John and Zari were going to kiss when they were on stage, but COVID. Right. Also, when we were talking. I'm like, it's funny because. It just just depends. I think maybe they're saving it. 
Or maybe they're saving it. Or but maybe- like when we were at the start of the episode and the Buzzcocks were playing and Rachel was like, is that a real band? And I was like, yeah. I got read by two separate, I got read by Ari and by our friend Zach for not knowing who the Buzzcocks are. Okay. And, and then they started playing the song and I was like, hey, this isn't Shrek 2. Yeah, when John starts coming out with the guitar, first of all, I cried in real life. It was I really sweet. Twice that day. It was I really sweet. Once when I dropped off my cats at Kitty Daycare. Yeah. Though apparently they did great and they were super pleasure cuddly, to have in class. Um, and everybody loves them. Yes. And then I cried again because I don't know, probably because of all the parent stuff and just yes. all of the knowledge I have about like these starlets. I grew up. I was born in 1992, so I was a freshman in high school when all this Britney stuff happened. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Right, like you're two years ahead of me. So all of this stuff happened at a very formative point in my life, where I basically watched how we feel about women yeah. come to a very horrible Sharp head. Point. Especially after everything in the '90s has sort of been like very like girl powery, uh-huh. and then post 9/11, it completely fell the fuck apart. And well, like, can we blame George W. Bush? We can absolutely blame George W. Bush. Yes. It's one of those things where actually, and to speak about old starlets, it's one of those things where it's like America just has this problem with its icons, where it's yeah. like, in times of crisis, we either cling to them desperately or we turn on them and devour them. Where it's like back during mm-hmm. World War II, it was fucking Shirley Temple and Rin Tin Tin, because everybody just needed something and then i think in the 90s there was a lot more girl power it's so fun and great and cool and then like post 9 11 we were just truly we're looking for someone to blame and it might as well be you and like i was a little younger than rachel but i remember reading because i was an insufferable little child so i would drink my coffee and read my newspaper at my grandparents house and i remember reading the newspaper it was the new york daily news and i just had that picture of Brittany after she'd shaved her head and like swinging the umbrella at shit. And I'm just looking at it and I'm just, cause I loved Britney. I had Britney dolls. I played her mm-hmm. albums nonstop. I love, I still love Britney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made, I just remember being like, this is this, like, I was just so sad. And I'm just like, what's ha-? like, I just was like, what's happening to her? Cause I've never seen like an adult do that. And like, you always think of like adults as like, being in control and being cool right. and like especially someone as cool and glamorous as Britney it's like what's happening to her and as you're an adult and you know how much of this is so wildly out of her control and then when I was a little older there was that story where like I you know you learn more about the story as you go along and you're like that thing about how she was doing it because she just wanted people to stop touching her fucking hair because they were like well we have to make you up for you out we have to do your hair and she's like I'm done I don't want anyone touching me and I was like that context is so necessary and then like it's almost like we haven't talked about amy winehouse yet but i think it's also she was a musician but i think it's maybe also important to talk about in the context of like as britney and Lindsay and paris were sort of falling out like they were going to rehab they were starting to sort of fall out of that public being as brutally publicly Mm -hmm. crucified amy winehouse showed up and started getting that. And I just was a little older by then. And like her dad, and it was the same thing as her dad was basically like abusing her and plot. like they were just like destroying her. And VH1 actually everyone was just waiting for her to die. A lot of money off of in the 2000s were former child stars whose parents had like stolen their money and they were struggling very clearly with mm-hmm. addiction. Um, they had no resources. Other and just, you know, depression and trauma trauma and we know from zari's introduction last season that her manager was horrible and he basically had to take her kingdom out from under him Mm -hmm. and she had to do it herself yep because her parents didn't go hey fuck this and 
I actually made a, because I said to, when they, the three of them went to go beat up Zari's, um, when they went to go beat up DJ S'more Money, which is just funny. Uh, yeah. It's that just crazy. It's just good. I was actually very surprised that John didn't hit her assistant because we know John Constantine will send a woman into the fucking stratosphere. Well, it's what but I think they, he was almost, Ari pointed out, he was almost like too numb to do he it. He was too shocked. But also I think they were maybe like, it might look a little bad of he Because like he hasn't, he, he, John Constantine in the comics is like literally like locked people in coffins with rotting corpses until they shit themselves to death. So it's kind of like, it's not that yeah. it's above him, but like for the CW, I don't think they wanted to show him hitting a woman. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, just, I almost was like, I almost wish they'd been like, well, she's a little old for the t- the 27 curse mm-hmm. to hit her because that's another thing where I like Amy, like literally with Amy. And I just think about how people literally seem to be like waiting for her to die, like waiting for her to fulfill this fucked up prophecy of dying at 27. And I'm like, that is, it, it was like vultures. Like, I know we call like this shit vulture-ish a lot, yeah. but like, that's literally, like, I just. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the, all. The everybody was did. waiting actively. Like, it felt like they were hoping she'd do it to fulfill this. And it's like, what the fuck? I mean, it, uh, God, there's a line in a Halsey song and like, you don't, I didn't feel this until a very close friend of mine. I think she listens to this podcast. So you know who you are. Hey. Was really going through it with addiction Mm -hmm. but like that line that halsey has which is i hope you make it till the day you're 28 years old you don't feel like you're like oh yeah because of like that never even registered to me until she mentioned it to me one time and i was like 20 the curse of 20 oh shit Mm -hmm. and like and then and sometimes and there are certain people in your life you know and and she has made it quite farther past 27 and i'm very proud of you did it dearly yes we love you but I mean, it's... there's something else to be said of the curse of 27. A lot of those musicians, because I was studying a ton of stuff in the 70s for a fic I'm writing. A lot of them died literally within like weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think it's more like this is a friend group that fell apart because everybody in it was an addict and understanding it as that instead of some fucking curse of the Bambino shit mm-hmm. is more important than like, ooh, are they going to fulfill this magic fucked up prophecy? It's more like this entire friend group fell apart because everybody's doing so many drugs. And it's really sad. You know, y'all are talking about all this and I'm thinking about it because um, in one of the group chats that I'm in, we've talked a lot about what's happened with like, maybe not like the current, current Disney stars, but like the folks who were on Descendants and everyone in that time period, like they've all gone through a lot of stuff too. But for the mm-hmm. most part, their parents have been really supportive or at least the adults in their life, whether they're, it's the managers or like whoever, like they're supporting yeah. these kids who, I mean, I say kids, but like they're 22 and 23. They're 22, but they're basically children. But they're children to me because like, of it and I'm like, oh my god. And you know, you look at them and you think of them as children because like they play children. Yes, they play children. It's because because one of the the reason why this even came up was we were like, well, wait, which one of these like celebrities is not LGBTQ? Because at this point, a lot of them have come out. Like Duff Cameron is by, you know, all these other people have said something or another that's indicated that they're not straight, or at the very least, because of the way Hollywood works now. Like a lot of people have, you know, I don't want to use the word experiment, but that's the word I'm thinking of because I can't think of words. Sort of, they're, 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 they're testing it out, and it's a little bit yeah, easier to exactly. do that semi and, and in the public eye. It's interesting because when you think about the people from like the Lindsay Lohan time period through Mouseketeers. like Raven Simone and even like Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato, who by the way, Demi Lovato is now non binary. I know we saw. Pronouns. Um, yeah. It's fascinating because then the, the question there is which one of these kids 
was supported by their parents, which of these kids wasn't screwed by Disney and like the child star industry, because all of them have had major issues because they've had to grow up in the public limelight. And we don't have time this episode to go into like the full thing where like musicians will do the like, we're going to do a skip and a hop through rap and age hip hop and R&B on our way back to country and pop. But there's yep. so many ways that people act out. And it's fat, like, it's honestly... Miley Cyrus being a major people. example. I think maybe the last big example of that kind of dramatic acting out of like, right. I'm going to do all this shit. But it's, I actually, I'm glad, we do have time to talk about this because I do think it's relevant. And I'm like, because I actually, I was thinking, I remember I re- Mara Wilson wrote something where she was like, you know how I made it out okay? Because my parents gave a shit about me. And like, it's very uh, upfront. She's like, that was literally the, that, that is the save, that's the, that's the, will you be a normal human being after acting or will you not? And it's all up to your parents. And it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of life as well. It's kind of life as well. But it's also, I think, especially when we talk about like starlet stuff, where it's like, it is Mm -hmm. so fucked up that these kids are basically being asked to act like adults, to behave like professional working adults, but also are being completely held hostage by their parents. And their well-being is completely contingent on these people who are running their lives while they are also being asked to behave in many ways like adults. And it's sad. they did in this because i know that tyron big fan of a lot of pop starlets of he course is a huge mariah fan as of well course. mariah has actually had a very good career god bless her because well, mariah didn't start as a child sorry did she no she did not but mariah has you know people will make fun of mariah but mariah carey has always been like well no this is what i want this is what i'm gonna do and you cannot treat me like this yep and that is her right yep and um sorry i just remember that on the drag race episode when they did the two rival churches of the pop stars and the mariah group none of them knew anything about mariah and they messed up so bad oh god and i feel like Tyron does watch drag <laughs> race and must have been just sitting there like because well, it's, no. it's a lot of them or we were trying to get you this oh that's adorable but like it's one of those things where it's like we were actually talking about this in terms of drag race where it's like a lot of these queens are like in their 20s and they have no fucking clue who these pop stars from the 70s and 80s are. And they don't care because they're like young black queens. Why the fuck would they give yeah. a shit? But like everybody who's in charge of the show gives a shit about all these pop stars from the 70s and 80s. And so you have this weird culture cl- clash. That's really fun. Oh, some of these shirts are wild. Sorry. Um, wild. I was actually thinking because I have not watched any of the show 13 Reasons Why. No, I, I read the book and it. I don't. I don't remember. I- the book and the book is okay the book but, was an unhealthy thing though yeah. because i remember reading it wet you know and uh you know i was oh that carrie one is there is adorable. a scene in the book yeah. where he is on her last tape because the um and and i only identify it with it or not identify with it i only relate to it because it is so it speaks so plainly to the nature of tragedy, yep. but also to the nature of tragedy in real life, yep. where she goes to the school therapist and they kind of write her off. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go kill myself. Like yep. she doesn't, she's like, I've had and it. he basically starts yelling at the tape. Yeah. And it reminded me of something where someone was talking about the nature of the reason why we watch something like Romeo and Juliet over and over and over again. Because we hope they'll make it out. It's because every time we're like, okay, but he's not going to make the same mistake this time, right? No. He's going to wait, right? He's going to, you gonna, know. You know, it's going to be okay, and right? And it doesn't. when it comes to actual human people, you feel, listening to Marilyn Monroe's story is just that. Yes. It's just that exact You're feeling. like, someone's going to come in at the last minute and, and get her therapy, right? I think what was so important about the fiction of this episode is that, one, it reminded us that 
people, even big celebrities, are human. And they need somebody. And that even, you know, that people deserve other people treating them kindly. And Absolutely. that can change someone's life. It can life. literally change someone's life. And... It, it is a great fictionalization of something that a lot of people have never had the opportunity to have and who have died because they didn't have it. And it is heavy. It is so beautiful for fiction because that's sort of what you want in fiction. And it's also yeah. one of those things in fiction where you're like, maybe this will inspire something in real life. You have to hope because it's one of those things, too, where it's like twofold, where it's like one We've talked sometimes about how sometimes the fantasy of your parents actually secretly being sorry and loving you very much is mm. not, doesn't, doesn't really track to real life in any way, shape or form. But this is a real, like, this is a fantasy setting of it, but this is also a real thing that I think a lot more of us have actually, I have, I hope have experienced and identify with. And so it felt a little more. There was less of that, well, this would never happen in real life. Because it's like, yes, it can. It really does. And it does a lot because that's what found family is for. That's why, like, why the, what the fuck? Um, Sorry. Um, But, like, there's also that scene of, like, we we paralleled this to almost immediately after that scene back in season three, which was also a turning point for the podcast. Because that's about, and it's funny that it sort of links up like that. Because that was when we were, like is this show going to start being good? Like, and, all the time good? Sometimes did. And sometimes, somehow. But, like, it turned into that. And they that scene where Zari's like, you're going to find your people to baby Ray. And then Zari found her people. And it's sweet. That was really sweet. She did find her people. I think we're really... Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, what? Somebody's mowing their lawn outside. <laughs> but then it just totally gets dropped. Sorry, could you what repeat a- that? My internet was like, no, Sanger's not allowed to talk. So I was just saying, I think what really drives us up the wall about Legends, so much potential that's been squandered. And so when we get a really good episode like this, we're like pulled in this false sense of security. And we know that next week we're going to be angry again. And so I'm just oh, like, God, yeah. what's that? What's next-, next week's episode? Next week is there Mick drops them in the middle of the Bay of Pigs invasion. Oh, Christ. Yeah, so I will not be watching that. But anytime, sorry, or Austria, like I'm really excited for the animated episode. That should be fun and keep. I'm so excited! I literally want. I'm like, I need to see. I like, I have to actually watch the end credits on this episode. I need to know who you got. I will probably know a lot about Um, their career. I mean, now that also we've spoken about how much we like loved stuff in this episode, let me just talk about a couple of things I found very funny. Um, number one, Spooner bullying Mick and him just standing there like, I, I can't do this. Not again. (laughs) I'm not strung. And then Spooner is like, Mick reminds me of the guy who took my virginity. And, and Mick is like, yelling. destroy the planet Earth. I've had enough. <laughs> Gideon send us hurtling into the sun. I've had enough. Thank you so I'm much. so appreciative that they were like, no, Mick is actually upset about his daughter not being here. Yes. He doesn't really, because I was also like, I don't know if they're not talking about it because, you know, Maisie came back to direct or because they want Charlie to come back. So they don't want to make it seem like she's really, really gone. but. When he, Mick has always had depression. And like many of us who have depression, Mick had developed like coping mechanisms. Yeah. Like we all do. And they have completely, it seems, gone out the window. But he never maintained them for, because we saw him have them when Sarah was here. Yeah. And it's very, I was talking to Ari about this because Mick is sort of functional when he has like a spouse. Yes. Like when 
Len was here. That was his husband. Yeah. So he acted in a certain way because Len needed him. And then when Amaya was here, he was acting in a certain way for Amaya because Amaya cared about him so much, it made him want to care about himself. Yep. And Charlie, I mean, and this is a thing. He basically just Mick is very, yeah, I mean, Mick is very high-key autistic. He's yeah. like, okay, Amaya, thank you, Amaya, too. Yeah, he does not, it's not, it, it just was the same thing for him. And then, like, and Ray also. Some, like, Mo- and that's the thing. Mona also, although they kicked her off the show. So Mona, uh, he's sad that Lita isn't talking to him. And for someone like Mick, who never actually got a healthy teenage upbringing and yeah. has never really seen someone have one, he is probably concerned that he did something to Lita to traumatize her yep. without realizing it. And that's why she's cutting him off. Yep. And it's like, it's, say- it's not. Yes. What's up? Can I just say that Ava's lie about her not needing him anymore really actually made me mad because that's not what's happening with Lita. And I understand yeah, that's that not what's happening. mad because her fiance is like not there, but like, holy crap, like she's just no. a teenager. She doesn't want to talk to her dad. That doesn't mean that she doesn't need him. Oh, it made me annoyed. No, I agree because it's one of those things where it's like we were actually kind of talking about that on the way back from Starbucks where we were like, I was like two oh, things. You're only ever going or coming. To yeah, Starbucks. like, I mean, truly. <laughs> but like it was twofold. Where it's like one, I would love to see a scene where somebody points out they were like, well, you could just go in there and knock on her, storm up to her dorm room and demand that she talk to you. And Mick's like, I can't do that. And you know why? Because I would like to see him know that and deliberately make the choice to give her the space and the time and to be good and to trust her because that would be very meaningful. But I, as we talked about how like Mick isn't taking care of himself because he doesn't need to for anyone right now, there's no one there like making him like want to. I would love to see a thing. If they did a thing where Mick was like, well, I don't have to do that for Lita because she's an adult now and she doesn't need me to take care of myself for her and Lita going, yes, I do. Cause you're still my dad. I would lay down on the ground and then I would never get up again. But I think that would be very important for the two of them. And I think it's also like we might because remember how Brandon left and he was basically the the focal point of the the well, entire season. We, we haven't seen Mick at all. Finale, they knew Mick, Dominic wasn't. Well, that's what I mean, that. where I'm wondering if in the second half, Mick is going to be more prominent, because as as I think we've discussed collectively, like Dominic is probably just like, well, you're paying me the same amount to do less scenes. So fuck it. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Meanwhile, Brandon, I'm sure was like, I would love to be more involved because it's Brandon. But like. Well, I think we're probably going to see more of that with him and Lita hopefully soon because we know she's coming back too. So, when I and we don't need to get into all the hoopla about like the Instagram post, but I did make the joke to Rachel that like at the end of the day, regardless of what was said, like it's very clear that like Dominic himself is just tired. And if I was getting paid the amount that I get paid to not do anything when I've never really appreciated my full character art, or even if I do appreciate it, I'm not a big fan of like it within the context of the whole show. Like why wouldn't I be tired and annoyed? And so I think for him, like he's not acting. He doesn't care right now. (laughs) So unless we see Lita, because also like with COVID, I'm sure like they had to be really careful about like where they even bring her into the plot, all that other jazz. Like this whole season, I think when it comes to his arc, the way it's going to end is either going to really piss us off or it's just going to be like, well, that's kind of what we were expecting. And I don't really think there's any other option outside of those two because there's so many dang people on the show. Like, Astra wasn't even in this episode. I don't even know where she is because canonically, like, they haven't even made any, like, comments on, like, where characters go when they're not there. So it's it's kind of all over the place. And I've said this before, like, they try to be an ensemble show like Grey's Anatomy, but they don't know how to write for that type of show. 
So characters constantly get shafted. So while they got a, they got an ensemble show by accident, I think is the vibe. I, I don't think they set out to make one. Uh, yeah. Dave, so wait, one last thing. Sorry, go ahead. Can you look up new? I want to see if there's any cool new mouse ears on Etsy before we go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Um, David. I'm so sorry. What's his last name? He was on Arrow. Is he? Yes, David Ramsey directed, did a bunch of things in the DC TV universe this year. And yes. he said his favorite show to direct was actually Legends because they allow him the most freedom as a director. They're really kind of down for anything. Mm-hmm. And he really, and he said if they were not on the CW, they would have award nominations constantly. Everybody would really respect the show as a prestige drama or comedy drama. <laughs> and I was like, well... Maybe, but that's really more a critique (laughs) of the standards that we have than that's a point in Legend's favor, I suppose. (laughs) I think also, just a quick thing, David's interesting because like he used to be on CBS, and so he's got a very interesting perspective when it comes to broadcast TV. He was the mayor on Blue Buds of all shows, Um, and so for him to have like the... Wentworth slash Katie Cassidy like contract in the context of like you have access to all of these shows for a set period of time I think is really interesting because there was that whole hoopla of like is he going to be Green Lantern or not and I mean first to say no but like he's got an arc on a couple of the shows that he's starring on and so he's just a really interesting perspective into like where the CW actually sits as a broadcast network and specifically where DC TV sits because in the past, like regardless of how we personally feel about error, like it got a lot of accolades at the beginning. But I think at this point, like no one takes any of those shows seriously because there's nothing to take seriously in the shows. And so for him to say that, I just am like, dude, like you just got to admit that like your shows aren't that great. It's okay. It's all okay. Right. And again, we like we don't have to be making prestige television to be doing something good, though, guys. Prestige television is not. This is kind of why I'm like, and I'm not gonna, but I'm like, this is kind of why I hate the idea of prestige television at this point. Oh, yeah. It's like it doesn't. Not all prestige TV is good, and not all pre- TV that's good is prestige, guys. Definitely it doesn't mean anything anymore. Also, hold on, I'm gonna go. I'll be right back. I'm just gonna get some water. My stomach okay. is killing me. Continue without me. I was also just thinking about. Um... Phil saying, I would love to make a show that people watch without caveats. And how I'm like, well, if you keep writing like this, it's never going to fucking happen for you, is it, buddy boy? I actually, can, can I just say, too, that interview where Phil was like, I don't have any good ideas, it's my writer's room, would be really sweet and wholesome and thoughtful if the show wasn't one that regularly had us yelling about how ist it was. And by ist, I mean racist, sex, like whatever it is that yes. you want to put in this. Like, like, you can't say things like that when you've been docked by not just us, but like actual critiques have been like, oh, maybe don't do that. And so you think we're, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of the CW showrunners, for a lack of a better term, have a very inflated sense of self. And I don't blame them. Like, it's really hard to make TV. We, those of us who pay attention to the TV world, are fully aware of the fact that, like, the development time is a year long. Shows come out before your show actually makes it on air, and it just happens to be exactly what your show was. And there's all of these things that you can't control, and intellectual property especially right now. So CBS is having their um, upfront day today, and they, of course, ordered a bunch of new franchises. And I don't blame them. Like, those shows do well in live viewing. They do well in delayed viewing, and they do gangbusters on Netflix. But at the same time, I think there's this very interesting dilemma that's happening when it comes to, like, even just comics and also all other intellectual property series where viewers love them 
to an extent. And then like riders obviously love them because it helps them get a leg up and get experience under their belt if they're lucky enough to be on IP. But then at the same time, all of the showrunners are making fun of each other for doing IP shows. And so then DCTV especially, it's this like really weird place where like everyone wants to say, oh, well, this is just our cool comic show, especially Legends, you know, we're the outcast, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, like when you do good things, like you really, like this episode is a great example. Other episodes that we've praised on the podcast and the ones that I've watched, they've been good. But then when it sucks, it's just like, how do you fall from like the heights to below the ground? Because like there's no one in the writer's room who actually does a good job of like, steering the ship and I think that's what's always been fascinating to me just even just regarding the content of what's happening on the show like from season one to now like there's still no true through line and I just don't understand how like no one in that writer's room is able to be like listen Phil you gotta calm down the life the rise why the fall (laughs) I do think part of it is as you pointed out this is a place where a lot of people cut their teeth and not necessarily like so it's like you don't have anyone in the writer's room Mm. that is a seasoned writer who no one comes to this as like i'm an experienced writer who's worked on multiple emmy award-winning shows or any shit like that don't work like that so i think you have a lot of people who don't who are like this is the start to my career so i don't want to fuck anything up and i don't want to say anything that'll get me blacklisted i don't want to burn any bridges i would like so like no everyone is afraid to be the person going hey what if this sucks, actually? And so, or, or they just don't know how to advocate for doing better. I think that's another big one. Like, so I think that's how you kind of get this lack of cohesion. Excuse me, sorry, because nobody really, everybody is kind of afraid to be the one person going, hey, wait, what if we do something else? I'll right. We'll totally make these for ourselves next time. We don't have time now, but. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like we need somebody, we literally need just one person. They don't even have to write anything. They have to just be the adult that stands over them and go, no, put your foot down with the producer. Tell them to fuck off. Tell them you're doing it this way. Like you you need somebody or politely tell them to fuck off. You need somebody there who like knows what they're doing. And we just don't seem to have that business. I, I need say, Karen Kilgariff. Oh, God, I fucking imagine. Just to, like, end this part because I will eventually have to depart this fun conversation. I think what's also really hard is a lot of times, like you two know how TV works and other yes. people in our in our atmosphere know how TV works. But I think a lot of times people don't truly get that like for an episode to actually air, it's gone through 30,000 reviews because it has to oh, yeah. go all the way up to this to Mark Pedowitz and back down to the writers. And so we'll never know what the first pitch said and what, you know, between the first pitch and to what we get to see after it's been edited, mind you, not even just what's been filmed, there's so much that's taken out. And so I think it's always interesting to think about, like, where do you lay, for bad situations especially, like, where do you place the blame of, clearly everyone involved has a piece of the blame, but, like, at what point is it specifically the CW? Who does the buck stop with? Right, or the WB for these shows, because that's the studio. And I think especially this year, you know, Ari made that comment about Riverdale Black Lives Matter episode, but every single show this year has done something because they're trying to be appropriate and thoughtful and respond to the to the world. But the thing is, most of these shows, one, forgot that they wouldn't air for, for months after filming, and yeah. two, here's the thing, if you've got a white or non-black person of color watching these shows and they don't already understand reality, 
they're not going to change their mind because of one episode. That's like a PSA style episode. And so what you've done instead is traumatize your characters. And I think that's what happens a lot in Legends where they try to be thoughtful and they try to deal with these really intense, you know, like the episode that we all get really pissed off about with the with and like the sleeves and all that you know uh, like your audience doesn't need to see that your no. audience who is watching this already knows and if they don't then like, you've got other problems and so i think what was really interesting with this episode in the context of Tyrion writing it and like the abuse narrative or what we are calling that it might not ultimately end up being that way if we get to see her mom again in the future next season or whatnot um or her dad right is mm-hmm what are they trying to say and what are what is the audience filtering because we are smarter than the writers frankly but yes i mean and like it's because like how we talk about the stuff is like at least we own up to this is a ding dong podcast like when we talk about shit we're also like we're also fundamentally we have our little psas but we're also just friends fucking around on a podcast you don't actually have to listen to us but right it's like i don't it is genuinely like a point of like what's the worth of re-traumatizing someone and bringing it and it's also like when we were we wa- we were all watching an episode of batwoman together and it was the one where they were talking about what like where we were all in the hotel room in boston because yes. we were getting vaccines and we were from for my partner because they live in massachusetts so it's like well not anymore but well not did. anymore but they did <laughs> um so it like turned into the schools i don't even remember but the point we we're making like they were yes they were talking about like Crime happens because, and they're absolutely correct in the real world, that this happens because there are no, it's the school-to-prison pipeline. There are no community centers for these kids. And that is an excellent point. But as we pointed out, You make it seem larger than life because it happens in Gotham. I worry that you are, people are going to miss the point, though, because in Gotham, your supervillains are guys, like, Killer Croc did not become a giant crocodile. Because the school-to-prison pipeline. Like, that didn't happen. That's not how and that I works. I appreciate them and what they're doing, especially because they cast Javicia, and I appreciate them putting money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I just worry sometimes they would overreach with that, where it's like, but you're kind of almost taking away from your point because this doesn't happen in real life. So then I feel like people are like, and again, if this is... This part happens in real life, but you're also making it seem yes. fantastical because it's happening in Gotham. And so yes. it's like... You can't, you're almost doing it a disservice by making it seem like a thing that only happens this dramatically and badly on TV. Because I think a lot of times we see right now people looking at this and going, well, it can't be that bad. They can't be that cartoonishly evil. They can't, they can't literally just get to do this and that and the other thing too, because no one's stopping them. And so they're getting Mm -hmm. away with it because... But it's like, no, in real life, news. yeah, in real life, actually, they don't actually have tragic motivations or backstories, or it's not actually complicated. Sometimes people are just mean fucking bullies. Sorry. <laughs> well, and also, ultimately, the last thing that I'll say is that these shows, when they do these arcs, like the, the abuse narrative with any of the parents that we've seen on the show, because, wow, do any of these people have parents who weren't booties? I don't know about that. But um, I say that because I'm trying not to curse as much, but let's be real, like, they're all fuckers. And so that's one yeah. arc that you can follow through the whole show. The whole, like, we're going to talk about police brutality and propaganda and all of this, like, it's going to end after this season. And so it's all very fake. And it's very yeah. clearly because Color of Change, which is a nonprofit organization that even published that whole report years ago about, look at all the propaganda that we have. You know, they went into boardrooms and they were like, hey, we should do something about this because the summer 2020 was awful and 2019 was really intense. And then 
it's all gonna end and it's just like you didn't actually do anything significant like most of your viewers didn't care you're still gonna keep peddling it at cbs like i said literally just ordered three more crime shows that's just God what they it. do but yeah you know and it's, and it's one of the things where it's like simultaneously tv is not the end all and be all but it's also broadcast tv is free it's got the most people who have access to it yada 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 and so all media is propaganda but the way that it's written it's so impactful on people and especially what we've talked about again like the fourth wall and like teens and youth who are watching things and frankly even adults who should know better still get yeah. involved in drama like all of this all comes together and so i'm always fascinated by the choices that they make with sari especially because as tala has mentioned in multiple interviews this character is still hard for her to like embody she's still figuring her out and it's she's going on a journey with this sari just as sari is going on that journey and so i'm very cautiously excited to see where that journey takes her but also am very much stuck in the wow poor Zari one has to listen to everything that's going everything. on she's, her she's so tired what absolutely no she's well, usually with a she and I are usually busy uh sex. Sex. but I but will say just taking a break yeah. to read a book and hydrate I will say it because you talked about like or and how tv is not the end-all be-all but like it's one of those things where it's like I hate at this point the phrase fiction affects reality makes me start bleeding from the eyes, nose, mouth, and under my fingernails. But it's true. I'm watching it's it way more now. complicated than that, and we're not doing all of it. But I will say quickly, it's like one of the things is if people don't like we understand that certain things are bad because we know in real life they're bad because it's just part of like we know that like murder is bad. So what? if you see, yeah, right. I know, shockingly. But like for things that people don't have a lot of like not a lot of people are actually familiar with the day-to-day workings of the police force, for example. So Absolutely. if they see shit on TV, they just go, well, that must just be kind of at least a little bit what it's and listen, like. I'm sure you've heard us say this a thousand times, but what if I told you that it doesn't police, work like that, that the police lie about All everything, fucking about right. most of the cases they solved are probably based on lies and probably weren't even cases to begin with. So it's a thing where it's like, we know that certain things are bad and we don't need fiction to tell us that. And we won't see, we won't, but like when we see stuff that we don't know a lot about and we don't really have any existing framework for, it's much easier to be influenced by. So even if we know that it can't, like we know that maybe it's not literally like it is in Law and Order, they can't, it's got to at least be a little bit like it is in Law and Order, right? And the answer is no, 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 no. no. But that's how that sort of like, where it's like that, angle of it is very complicated because anyway, it's like yeah i want to watch a very merry get fucked to the nypd yeah uh fuck you guys love to and see you guys whole, I mean, like, to see the, you there. Whole, the whole reason we watch these shows right like the whole reason the cop yeah. works as well as it does and these superhero shows work as well as they do is because we just want generally at the end of the day we want humans to be good we want people to beat the bad guys we want people yes. to get past whatever awful situation they've had in their life we want the really sad dude who's traumatized from his Navy job to get along with his best friend and be gay. I'm making fun of Hawaii Five. Book. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, like there's all I have this no stuff. Making fun of what? What are you making fun of? Oh. Hawaii Five-0, if you want to know about- Oh, God, yes, I remember. I read, because I read a book about the history of the cop show. I remember the original one. I haven't seen the reboot, but I know exactly what you mean. Dano and the other one. So all of these shows are all about getting at our heartstrings, and they do a perfect job because of that. But then when you actually sit down and think about it, you're like, wow. It's almost like if we had TV shows about the people who are victimized- Maybe we learn more, but that's just that's just how I feel having grown up on I completely agree. <laughs> I know we're running short on time, but I'm like, no, I agree, and that's why I brought this up specifically about cop shows yeah. because it's like we when we listen to. I mean, I I have I was raised on detective novels. I'm a huge. My favorite disc world books are the Nice Watch ones, things like that. I mm. love this shit. I love yeah. the like you know like it's like justice, compassion. 
Like all these things matter to me deeply. And so when you read these stories, you're like, yes, I want to see this done. I want to see like, this is awesome. I love this. I love Sam Vimes and every, I loved the, the Night's Watcher, Noble and Heroic and Justin. It's like, okay, but like real cops are awful. It's like, how do you reconcile that? And it's like, well, one of them is a story. And like, we have to maybe talk about why these broader themes of justice are always brought up in the context of the police and never right. the victimized. But that's literally an entirely different podcast. But like, hey, something to think about. Um, food for thought. Food for thought in terms of the endless fiction v reality discourse where it's like, it's not a yes, no answer. And when it comes to cop shows, it's a thousand times more complicated. How did we get from, from Zari to cop shows? I don't even remember and it doesn't I don't matter. Know, I just here. I'm always thinking about cop shows. <laughs> same, 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 same. All right, let me pull, just let me pull everybody back in because I think honestly yes. we have created we, surprisingly a very i think intelligent and concise episode nobody here is more shocked than i am we did this last time too although it was a little less concise i'm like damn we're really we're are we getting good at this rolling um when in the episode for you was your moment with like we all i think like john and zari we were yeah. never against it right no i always thought it was really cute actually i'm um, a big fan but what of was your moment this episode where you were like oh damn i'm here forever that moment where he, that, that moment I told you about where she was like, well, she's so guarded and we love to see her miserable. It mm -hmm. makes, and he was just like, you just see his, the gears in his head going, I have to protect her no matter what now. I'm in it to win it. And I'm like, fuck yes. Um, okay. So, um, Sahar, did you watch the newsroom? Oh no. I did not watch the newsroom. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, does it have its own problem? Oh yeah. 1,100%. That thing that they had, Ari and I have literally designed a newsroom episode if they ever rebooted it. In which case, we would be in charge and not Aaron Sorkin. I will fight Aaron Sorkin. I'll fight him with a sword. He can't. Do you really think Aaron Sorkin could take us on? Please. Come be on. honest. Be honest. Be very honest. <laughs> but there is, we were like, they should be an episode where, because remember, everybody was making fun of that thing John Kiefer did on the airplane where he's like, we just killed Osama bin Laden for you. If that clip recirculates and then. I'll just start roasting him. And everybody online starts calling John cringe. He is. And Don keeps trying to get in front of this and prove he is not cringe. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> but he is. He is he cringe. Is. Yes. But there is a moment in season three where he and Sloan, who is the finance person, the finance anchor, are at sort of brunch and they're trying to talk about their relationship and she's sort of avoiding it. And he just goes, and his name is John Kiefer, and he just goes, I can't believe I'm being John Kiefer. And that was, yeah, that was John and Zari. And, and when Zari is like, I, I'm afraid of relationships, and he's like, well, that's usually my line. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. In front of my salad? My salad? Because, <laughs> like, it was one of those things where we were talking about, again, on the walk to Starbucks instead of the walk back, yes. where we were like, it's interesting that, like, John is maybe looking at Zari and going, well, Astro doesn't need me anymore, so I'm going to try to, you know, I have someone else I want to take care of. And Zari going, oh, I'm sorry, you think you're taking care of me? Like, that's fun. That's because John is, John is a shambling disaster. But Zari has also got main character immunity because a lot of john's girlfriends minus Zatanna, do not last more than a couple of issues because that's just the nature of um the comic but she is uh fridge fridge proof just in case just i in swear case, to god not i swear to god i swear to god i will start fighting things i will do people. to you i will absolutely bite you people but um i think it's really I interesting you people because she's the one who's it's like with Zatanna, where it's like there, no one's going to touch her. 
So she gets to actually be the dominant party in this relationship, which is really fun. Mine honestly is when he just gets up and leaves. It's like, I'm always a big fan of like, well, except for an era, because that whole love trick sequence around it, I missed it on all of the people who are involved. But I love like dramatic getting up and move moments. Like the other character's like, oh, wait a second, what's happening here? And then Zari realizes, oh, wait, John actually really does care about me? Oh no. And then they have like the whole like singing moment. Ah, beautiful. But I really did just- He started coming out with that guitar. I cried and Ari goes, this happened in Shrek too. Yeah. (laughs) Which, which. It was very sweet. And they're right, but and like, right. God. It's like the same, like, also, it was the same song. And I was like, oh my God, it's the same. And it's like, yeah, a lot of like, the, the stuff in Shrek. Wait a second. Well, because I watched, because I just left my wait, job. Wait, wait, what oh, are you saying? Sorry, you cut out. Hellstar, Espiona, and Shrek. Oh my God. I was literally about to say like, oh my That's God, kind of, it's kind It works of that, really weirdly well because like, I just left because I moved. I had to leave my job and I miss my kids dearly. And I spent the entire day of my last work day at work crying, please God. Um, but we were watching Shrek 2 this this week while I was upstairs during nap time. And I was like, first off, this is, it was my favorite as a kid, but I'm watching it as an adult. I'm like, this is weirdly like adult. And I don't mean in like in a humor way, but it's literally like uncomfortable reconciliation with the woman you married having parents that despise you and you're sort of uncomfortable being back in her childhood home and everything is different now and everyone it was so fucking like heavy and weird and i kudos but like yeah there's that whole thing at like the end like the entirety of shrek 2 works really well for hellstar first one as well but like yeah it tracked in a way where i was like oh it's just funny that the songs also lined up because as you know with a couple of notable exceptions, if a song is in Shrek, it's a Shrek song now. Wait, that song right. was in Shrek? Yeah! I, that's why I said this happened in Shrek too. The, that the exact song, song. The exact song, dude. We're going to hell. We're going to hell. So. I thought you were just saying that the scene happened. I didn't realize. No, it like literally that song was in Shrek too. So I was like, oh shit. Oh okay. man. Guys, we gotta, I gotta. Also, speaking of Shrek 2 money, because I was like, wow, you can afford to license the same songs as Shrek 2. Budget. That whole, I mean, they only really had the one set, but I was like, damn, somebody's got, I somebody's got a new lighting crew. That audience situation was delightful because it both fit due to COVID and also because of like 2044 or whatever. I just thought that was really yeah. like a genius moment and whoever thought of that deserves like five stars. Oh yeah. It was, smart as fuck. it was smart as fuck. It was super duper cool. Very sci-fi. I loved it. Um... But yeah, it was like, oh, we have a new lighting crew this season. I see somebody's getting crazy with the neon LEDs. Nice, nice. And but, honestly, I think in some cases, COVID has really challenged the shows all across the board to just be smarter. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, I do want to, this is a hard pivot, but since we're almost like, I think we pretty much talked about everything. Yep. I'm going to say one thing briefly about Knox, because I'm like, I, that was, that, that name, I was like, that's not a name. That's not a real name. It's one of those things where, like, I appreciated when they were like, well, on my planet, everybody bears children. And so gender is stupid. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, as a non-binary person, I love stuff like this because the nature of your relationship to humanity, if you are in some way, like, not cis, is complicated i think for a lot of us but it's one of those things where i'm always stuck at the eternal crossroads between i deeply identify with these non-human characters who don't adhere to a binary gender versus hey could you stop making everyone who's not a binary gender a robot or an alien or a monster because Uh it's like 
yeah, no, real human beings in real life are just not cis. Like, that's just a thing. Um, And it's really frustrating because it seems like one of those things where it's like, well, we can accept that it's a real thing, but it only happens to people who can't be. It's like, it is such a, it's like literal othering. It's not even just these are fucked up people. It's like, they're not even people. And it's like, I know they didn't mean any harm by it. And I actually appreciate it. reminded me of the, the, the aliens, the aliens, the, the people in the left hand of darkness. Somebody just said uh, a follower of mine or a mutual of mine just said that the little thing kind of looked like baby Yoda. And I'm realizing they're right. Well, I thought of Gizmo from Gremlins, but I think and that just shows point, my age. I guess we have to light a match and let it go. Let it go. Let it all go. But like it, was one of those things where I appreciated that they did that, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, you dickheads. I'm so tired of literally directly being like, oh, the, if your gender is literally not even human. And it's like, God damn it. But it's not really a Legends problem. That's just sort of a thing problem. But like, I appreciated what they did, but we do have to talk about how, even though I think a lot of us identify with these monsters and robots and aliens, how it's like, that's not done out of love all the time though it's not done because we like it we're just identifying with it because we have nothing else so fuck it and that's kind of a bummer but i don't think legends did it maliciously or harmfully but it's like we got to talk about how that's a consistent habit hey babe good also just want to say you can't just take over like doctor who plots um okay hold on you keep talking i'm gonna go could you repeat that I was just gonna say you can't just take over Doctor Who plots and expect none of us to notice. Like that's that's not that's very no. true. That's very true. And Arthur Darville isn't even there anymore. So like, how dare you? <laughs> I will say though, this episode at least was like the best in the attempts of like doing clear homages and like hilarious references because obviously we know specifically like songs were based off of Britney's Outrageous and all this other stuff because Chan literally yeah, told okay. us. And then that baby Yoda alien thing that would have totally helped them still kind of salty about it they, they yeah. would have totally been like Ava you are now my leader whatever um I thought this was really fascinating because again at this moment all the aliens that we've met outside of this one are just like that aliens and Spooner has no time for any alien and so I am intrigued to see what's going on I will say though the only other part of this episode that was important in the context of the Sarah Gary alien parties sh- story is we finally got to look at the bad guy can't wait to see how that goes i'm sure he's going to be haram as always and then it's so interesting because like when when nora was introduced you could tell that brandon was clearly like this is my beautiful wife i would like to have every scene with her possible right and with um tala like she didn't even and this is not a thing on her but she is like so so private about this she did not even post when he was cast yeah. Where I'm almost like, I feel like it's kind of the opposite, where she's like, oh, I don't want to have scenes with him, because he's my husband and that's a secret. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's I'm interested to see, like, if they're even going to share any major scenes together towards the end, because I'm sure the them being on the alien ship thing will be, like, another four or five episodes, because that's just how the show runs. So, I'm... It'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, where that goes. But they kept saying in interviews, like, this would be their first bad guy they weren't going to, like, fully humanize. I That sounds false. They've never had a bad guy. Well, that's not true. They've had bad guys where we could very clearly be like, you're bad, stay that way. But for the most part, this show really loves to be, like, we are going to humanize as many people as physically possible because everyone has 
gray shades, which is like true, but also like some people are just bad. Let them be bad. It's okay. You're allowed to have bad guys. Like that's the whole point of that's comics. But that's just me. It's hot. I mean, I completely, I'm also kind of like, if he's just going to be irredeemably bad, then he's only going to be here for one season. That's, I mean, if that's your plan, sure. But like, that Tala never, that never lasts said with the antagonist. That she's, that she's last, that she's already emailing the writers about Sari's path next season, which again means we're trapped here for another season, folks. Trapped here for another season. We're going to be trapped here until the show ends. You'll know this. If you want me off this bridge, you're going to have to kill me. I mean, truly. But like I said, I, I feel like Netflix only has so much money they want to keep giving the CW. So if mm-hmm. we are getting announcements on Tuesday, we're probably getting announcements before they air because then the writers have enough time to actually like write their final seasons this summer. Yeah. But also, what do I know? The CW likes to just throw things and then sometimes I'm good at catching them and sometimes I'm totally sideswept and I'm like, well, I failed. First, the first the first couple of seasons, I remember we did a lot more theorizing and guessing on this podcast. And then we realized <laughs> that the show actively spits in the face of any sort of anything. And so we're just sort of riding it out episode by episode. So I feel that. I'm still mad. I still do. To my dying day, I will insist that Ray and Jax were supposed to become Firestorm and then France had to leave. I believe you. I absolutely think they were going for it. That, I think, was more just a real-life got-in-the-way thing than it was, like, a, we weren't going to yeah. do it, you were stupid. Well, and I think that's why this summer, like, that's the perspective I'm taking on all of the shows that we are assuming will probably end. Like, we knew Supergirl was coming to an end, even disregarding all of the awful stuff behind the scenes, because she had a child. And she's yeah. always, like, Bebo has always loved Broadway. That was her thing. Oh, yeah. she, literally convinced, she convinced WB to let her literally show up late to film so she could be Carol King. Like, that's, I mean, good for her. So I yeah. think, like, with Legends, we've all just kind of assumed that, like, with, with Dom leaving, like, Dave now just absorbed a ton of money for next season because he was probably, like, the highest, if not, like, second highest paid on the show. 100%. And then we know that Netflix is only going to pay for these shows as long as the shows do anything to get more viewers to them. But at this point, like most people have already subscribed for these shows, et cetera, based on like just educated guessing. And so for legends and the flash, especially the flash, because they're literally losing two cast members, maybe three Candace very much. Like it's clear that she just would like to go do other things with her life. And if it wasn't for COVID, they would have already finished like negotiating everything. And so it just seems like some of these shows are on their way out. And that's why they're trying to make Superman and Lois work, which I don't think it's really worked. It came back. I mean, just, no, it's just too, it doesn't fit the whole feeling of the show where like of this, the world that the CW has for the comics. Like I would love to see adults with their kids do well, but it just doesn't really, I don't know. But anyways, that's happening. And then, of course, we're waiting to find out if Naomi is going to be a thing and if the other shows are going to be a thing. And so I think they're really trying to use Stargirl as a way to, like, reinvigorate the CW's DCTV universe. The CW and, then, and Stargirl make a lot of sense together. Like, Superman and Lois does not feel like it should be on the CW. Well, the thing about Superman and Lois is it also has such a fundamental misunderstanding of Superman and Lois. Absolutely. That if you're watching it yes. because you're a fan of Superman and Lois, you're going to be like, what this is fuck? not what they're like at all. No. And if you like CW shows, you're not going to watch it because it's nothing like... A CW show. No, it doesn't work. Stargirl, I think, does actually. Yes. And like, that's actually... The, the Stargirl is incredibly smart in that it is geared towards girls who are just now starting to grow out of DC superhero girls. I think it's actually a little older. A li- but no, well, like, I mean, you have, because there are a lot of girls in my class 
who like adore DC superhero girls and they're about six or seven. So they got a couple more years out of it and they're doing animated stuff. They're expecting you're going to watch cartoons unless you're me until you're about 11, 12, maybe. And then star girl is like edgy 13 year olds who think that they can handle the big kid shows to like 17 year olds. I will say they did murder a bunch of adults. They murdered a bunch of adults, but like, I think because it's so like teen it's still got that kind yeah, of yeah they're still very teen yeah so i think they're trying to sort of like lure girls in who are starting to feel like they're too grown up for dc superhero girls so that's actually a really smart market because that will that's like the prime cw viewing audience so we'll see how that goes, I guess. And I do think Stargirl is actually really fun. I've seen some episodes. I do really like it. It's a very enjoyable show. I haven't done any cosplay stuff recently, so I haven't watched a ton of stuff because literally most of the time I'm watching TV because I'm working on cosplay. So soon. Alas, this is my actual, like, I literally have to leave where I'm going to no, Yeah, no, 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 go. We're, we're, we're pretty much winding down anyway, so... Thank you. Okay. You're well, here for the whole episode. We're so happy to have you back. I miss talking to you. I'm so happy to be here. And I will totally come for the Astra episode and any other sorry things. I just like don't, I don't even have the energy to watch like regular TV that I watch. And so yeah, I literally yeah, read Rachel's live tweet and then watched that episode and then went to bed. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> I just wait for live tweets to tell me whether or not it's worth my time or at least for me to like skim through YouTube because you can watch parts of episodes on YouTube because everybody and their mom just likes to share three-minute clips. I don't understand. I've watched so much DC TV through YouTube, y'all. It's beautiful. I think people do it because it keeps their channel active in the algorithm. You want to upload a lot of stuff. Probably. That's just my theory. But yeah, I'm so glad you were back. Enjoy. Good luck. Good luck with your fellowship and everything. Let us know how it's going. Fingers crossed it all works out. And we'll see you soon. Here, see all of you. Thank you all for listening, those of you who are still with us to this day. I think it's kind of amazing that Rachel and Ari were like, we're going to talk about the show. And now there's like a bunch of you who are like, yes, we want all of your opinions. I think it's beautiful. Why? But thank you. Seriously. Because I think it's delightful. I'm leaving now. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. All right. That's it for us. I got to go help my husband bring in our air conditioner. I gotta get it. I gotta get those lizards out before they find my husband. Eat my husband. Yeah, then we have to go to our hair appointment. So. All right. So yeah, we're going to get our hair done. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed all the other stuff that we talked about. Um, last question. Somebody asked anonymously. We are going to do a question because somebody asked. They were like, "Okay, so who in Legends listens to the Mountain Goats?" And you want to go with your answer? I said John Constantine and John Darnell know each other personally. Absolutely do. Um. John Constantine is literally the goths album. Like that's just about him. Uh, and then it's like, obviously the answer is Mick. I mean, the answer is literally completely Mick. I literally was like, we were literally just yelling songs at each other that fit Mick off the top of our head. So thank you for the question. We spent a little bit less time on this one because we really do have to go get our hair done. This is my first haircut since uh, before quarantine. So I'm very excited. Um, and we'll talk to you guys all next episode. Uh, Palestine. Thanks. Bye. bye. <laughs> we didn't talk about